Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. I was pondering how uninformed I would be without the book of Genesis. Think about it. Think about all that we learned in the book of Genesis, say for Bereshit. We would be so uninformed about creation, and we'd be so uninformed about the mankind and the, the, the ups and downs of humanity. We'd be so uninformed without the book of Genesis. Now, if you've been following along in the parashayot, the Torah portions, you realize we're reading the book of Genesis now. That's what our, uh, our parashah study will be about later this afternoon, God willing. But how uninformed we would be. I mean, we're introduced to so many things from covenant to, uh, you know, the, the, the evil one. We learned about him in the Garden of Eden. We learned about the, the first man, the first woman, the fall of mankind, etc. And, and God's mercy and his extension of mercy. And I am one person, I think you would probably say that you are also. How many lovers of the word of God do we have here today? I appreciate the Word of God. I cannot tell you that has not grown old for me. The Word of God is, is powerful, and I'm thankful. And I mentioned the Scripture recently a couple times, but I want to mention it again since I'm talking about the Word of God. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. This is from the Brit Chadashah, from the New Covenant. And it says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. At Bible school, they would tell us, that means that Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. It's given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, here in a setting like this, such statements about the Word of God seem overly obvious. I mean, we would sign on the dotted line on this when we think about the Word of God, how important the Word of God is to us. And as I mentioned, the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, it's very important for us. Yet that which was once so obvious to so many in our culture is now in many cases being challenged. It's, it's being day by day, far and wide, even beyond our culture into other cultures where the word of God once was very, given a very primary place in a society it's being shaken and challenged and sometimes discarded. And I want to speak to you about three major errors concerning Scripture that are taking hold of the thinking of many people nowadays. Three major errors concerning Scripture that are taking hold 
in many people's hearts and minds nowadays. Putting it plainly, error number one, that placing scripture on an equal plane with other sources of information or mixing the holy word of God with fallen human wisdom is very common nowadays. So error number one is to try to put scripture on the same plane as the wisdom of mankind, human wisdom. And I'm not necessarily a critical person, but I've noticed how America's pulpits seem filled with teachings based on psychology, politics, self-improvement, and other types of feel-good messages. These may seem okay at first when you hear them. They do kind of tickle us and make us feel good. They may seem, or they, they speak to where we're at and we're in agreement with them. These may seem okay at first blush, yet if such things dominate the airwaves and dominate our own souls, then Messiah Yeshua and him crucified, him risen from the dead, him coming back to judge the earth is not filling the airwaves and is not filling our souls. It's being filled with something else. And that something else may feel good. And again, I'm not necessarily an overly critical person, but I'm speaking about personal observation, things that I've noticed. I'm reminded of what Rav Shaul once said. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, he says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Messiah Yeshua and him crucified. And he goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, and you can read all the context when you have time. says, Your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Or as Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, for I am not ashamed of the good news, the Bessarah, the gospel of Messiah. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jewish people first and also for the Greek. As followers of Yeshua, we are to represent him, our Messiah, and to proclaim his message. It seems simple to me. His message is the only message that can save both the vilest sinner or the most self-righteous can save both from the jaws of eternal damnation. It's his message. It's him. James chapter 1 verse 21 puts it this way. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow wickedness and then it says this, and receive with meekness, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Other messages may serve a purpose, but it is only through faith in Yeshua the Messiah that a person is saved. It's only through faith in him. Other messages may, may feel good and they may have a purpose, yes, but when we're talking about saving lost souls, it's only the message of the gospel that can do that, that can grab someone for the very jaws of death and save that soul. It's only through Yeshua. 
I'm glad we sang today, Oh, the blood of Yeshua. I'm glad we sang that, that Hebrew version of it as well. It's kind of fun to ramble through the Hebrew, wasn't it? Oh, damo shel Yeshua. I'm glad we sang that because that's really, I know it's sometimes it's misunderstood in our world and people sometimes run away from it, but we cannot replace the blood of Yeshua and what he did for us through his sacrifice, irreplaceable. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 says, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our good news, our Bessarah, our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Notice verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. Whose minds have been blinded. Who do not believe lest the light of the good news of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God, should shine in them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Messiah Yeshua the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Yeshua's sake. Now, Rob Scholes, he made these statements and wrote these statements to the Corinthians, was making a point to them that central to the message must be Yeshua the Messiah. And we are here at Rosh Pina, we are a Yeshua-centric congregation. And I'm thankful for that, that we recognize him as who he is. He's the Lord. We recognize that it's his blood that was shed that saves us. It's through faith in him alone that we can be saved. And on the same way, we can say that scripture stands alone. It stands alone. Error number one is to try to put scripture on the same plane as, as other informational sources out there in this world, and there are too many to count nowadays. But Scripture stands alone. It's a unique gift to us. Many times I just, just say, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. How many of you have lifted up your Bibles, began reading in it, and you felt like God was speaking right to you? That's happened to me more times than I can say. And many of you raised your hands because you know that's how Scripture has been in your life. I want to encourage you, please go deeper into the Word of God in this day and hour. There are many, that, there are many other messages out there, but stick with the Word of God. Give the Word of God some effort, some time, some study, some memorization. And you will be laying up for yourself a special treasure that will come out, especially in times when you're being challenged, how the word will come forward. I think we should daily interact with God's word for what it is. As the psalmist said, you know how he said it? The psalmist said, it is forever settled in heaven. Will you say that phrase with me? forever settled in heaven. I mean, that settles it right there, right? If it's forever settled in heaven. So, error number one is to try to put the Word of God on the same plane with other informational sources, and there are so many informational sources out there now that if we allow the Word of God to become diluted, and diluted or diluted in our own thinking, then we have an issue. Let's keep the Word of God separate, holy, and a, a major portion of our endeavor. 
Now, I mentioned three errors that I want to speak about. Here's error number two. Error number two can be described like this. We can be guilty of molding Scripture into our own image, making Scripture conform to our views rather than making our viewpoints conform to Scripture. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Sounds a little convoluted, but it's very obvious, and we encounter it all the time where someone will have a viewpoint and they just want to find scriptures no matter where they come from to try to validate their viewpoint. When actually our thinking, we're to be transformed in our minds according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, and to be transformed by the word of God, have a renewal of our minds. So error number two to repeat, we can be guilty of molding Scripture into our own image or making Scripture conform to our views rather than making our viewpoints conform to Scripture. Now, there is a serious and dangerous example of this happening now in the world. I'm appalled by the growing anti-Semitism. I'm appalled, concerned as I've never been in my life here in America of what's happening here in the United States, and I, and I suspect you are too. You're probably concerned about that. It's appalling to me. Yet behind this anti-Semitism are such things as ignorance of the Word of God or refusal to accept the Word of God or abject disagreement with what the Word of God says. And like you, as a longtime student of Scripture, I'm fully convinced a person, a person is toxically deceived if they harbor hatred of Israel and the Jewish people and yet claim to be a Bible-believing Christian. Something's wrong there. Something's wrong there. Romans chapter 11, verse 1 states, I say then, has God cast away his people? And there's an immediate response. It doesn't say, and, and Rob Shul took 10 minutes to figure out that his own question. It says, certainly not. It's an immediate response. Has God cast away his people? Certainly not. In Romans chapter 11, verse 2, it says clearly, statement, not in a question form. It says, God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. End of point. Now, those venting their hatred, their hatred towards Israel, the Jewish people, they're taking a stand really against the Lord's purposes. They're against him and his will and his word and what he stands for and what he desires because he clearly stated, and several weeks ago I went through a number of these passages of Scripture, but I want to repeat just one section of one from the book of Hosea chapter 2, verse 19. And he speaks of Israel, the Jewish people, and he says, I will betroth you to me forever. How long is forever? That's a long time. <laughs> betroth is this, this intimate connection and relationship. I will betroth you, Israel, to me forever. The anti-Semitism that's occurring now has not taken the Lord by surprise at all. It is harrowing to see it. It's concerning. And the, the wordsmiths who say, I don't hate the Jewish people, just the Jewish state, 
meaning Israel, they are diabolically inspired and deceived. They say again, let me, let me put this forward again. There are certain wordsmiths, certain people that are saying, no, I don't hate the Jewish people. I just hate the Jewish state. That is diabolically inspired thinking. Adonai sees, he hears, he is aware, and he will act in his time, and he will fulfill all his good purposes. And I'm reminded of what it says in Psalm chapter 2, the second psalm. And it alludes to a day yet to come, although we've seen hints of it and various interactions similar to it. In Psalm 2, verse 1, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together, take counsel together against who? Against the Lord and against his Mashiach, his anointed one, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. And you have to love the divine response to this. It's in verse 4. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. And in verse 6, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion, Zion. The whole psalm's tremendous, but skip down to verse 10, where there's this warning. It's a strong warning. In verse 10 of Psalm 2, now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth, Verse 11 is great warning and great exhortation for us in these evil days we live in. Serve the Lord with reverence, with fear. And rejoice with trembling before him. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. And the psalm ends with this statement. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Does that describe you today? Have you placed your trust in the Son of God, Yeshua, the Messiah? I hope so. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Humanity's place of blessing is found through a personal relationship with the anointed one, the Mashiach, Messiah Yeshua, the Son of God. And to be an anti-Semite is to be at odds with God and his word. I don't want to be in that situation. It is not the place to be. Because as Psalm 2 says, and many other passages, says, there will be a day of reckoning. God and his wrath will be revealed. Anti-Semitism at its core, it's an affront to Yeshua. It's a front to him who is actually the lion of what? The tribe of Judah, from which we get the name Yehudi, Jewish. Yeshua is the seed of Abraham, descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the one who sits on the throne of King David. He's the king over all the nations. He will come back again, and he will reign with a rod of iron and with his mercy. No one will dare say when Yeshua returns. 
no one would dare say to him, I love you, Yeshua, but I hate your Jewish people. No one would dare say that to the king of the Jews. I love you, Yeshua, but I hate your people. We we rightly stand in awe, I believe, when we read certain passages of Scripture. And this one in Revelation chapter 20 should really get our attention. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the Sefer Chaim, the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. I wonder how anti-Semitism will fit in that scenario. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged. They were judged, each one according to his works. My friends here today, it is very wise if you decide to be a lover of God and a lover of his word and a lover of his ways and one who wants to be led by his spirit and not by the spirit of this world, which has much worse things going on than anti-Semitism, which seems unimaginable. When God and his word is removed from the public arena, the adversary and his lies gladly enter in. They have a platform. But, and this is what pertains to you and me here today, God has his army, his people on this earth. We must speak the truth in love. And that truth centers on Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, who's the way, the truth, and life. As John 14, 6 says, and most of you here know it by heart, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. God's not going to be mocked. How many agree with that? God's not going to be mocked. He's not going to be mocked. God will have the last word in all of this. His judgments are just and true, and his judgments will come. His standards shall not be moved. He's going to remain the same. He stands for the same thing, no matter what society's whims may be. He stands for the same thing. And his verdict, his final verdicts, will not be contradicted. He's the judge of all the earth. Our lives daily, do you know, we stand before him in everything we do. Nothing's hidden from his sight. We are warned in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, notice what it says, the wrath of God comes upon who? The sons of disobedience. Therefore, an exhortation to us, do not be partakers with them. Again, error number one is putting Scripture on an equal plane with some other source of information. Error number two is making Scripture conform to our viewpoint rather than making our viewpoint conform to Scripture. 
And last of all for today is error number three. Error number three is this, outright rejection of the teachings of Scripture and replacing them with something else. Now, the one I've seen more often than not has been the proofs of science. Does that mean science is bad? No, I'm not saying that. But there are those who have found the proofs of science as their their get-out-of-jail-free card, a way to get away from the Word of God because science is saying this or science is saying that. But it's not just science. Other things are also used to replace the truth of Scripture. Sometimes it's the prevailing opinion of a place or a society. Sometimes it's the political winds that are blowing and people get on that wind. Or sometimes it's just the opinions of our personal peers and we get on that. But if we are to be spiritually healthy and activated in his service, and I beg you to be that way, to be activated in his service, we must keep our eyes on him and on his word. We must. There are many things that would cause us to deviate away from the clear, simple truths of his word and through simplicity of faith in Messiah Yeshua. And we must keep our eyes on Scripture, and we must make sure that what it teaches and to whom it's addressed, we see that our, our address is part of that. As Yeshua neared his final hours, before his tremendous sufferings for you and me, and before his resurrection, he told the disciples, his Talmidim, his Shlichim, his apostles, many important truths. I want to remind you of this one. It's in Yochanan, John chapter 14, verse 25. He said to them, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. And then in verse 26, hallelujah for this verse. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. In verse 27 of John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Yeshua foreknew the human experience they were about to go through. He reassured them concerning his spirit, concerning that he would not leave them. He he reassured them concerning his word, and most importantly, he talked to them about his peace, his well-being, his shalom. And he wanted to make sure they didn't become fearful. And we have to be careful nowadays that we don't give in to a spirit of fear, which makes us shrink back from proclaiming Yeshua, the very message that can save souls through faith in him. That we're not afraid. We're not ashamed. We're not afraid that we want to make sure that we proclaim him. And if we are fearful, we are hindering that work of proclamation. I know I struggle with it too. And I suppose if we went around this auditorium to those hearing this very uh, word here, and I asked you, have you ever been afraid to share one about someone about your faith? Probably most of us would say, yeah. I've held back for various reasons. I've held back. 
And as time went on and we think more about it, we grow more and more in the Lord, we sometimes hold back even more. We need to take the stops out of that and make sure that we proclaim him, first of all, with our actions and our words, but the message also must go out. There's no other way that a person can be saved. There's no other name given under heaven by which a person can be saved than Yeshua. And the Lord is merciful. He said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you my spirit, the parakletos, the helper, the one that comes alongside of us, the helper who will empower us, who will empower a yielded follower to be able to go through the trials and tribulations that became part of our life. And sometimes they increased when we gave our life to the Lord. We found other trials that came upon us that we didn't anticipate. Family rejection, being misunderstood, being disavowed by friends, and all that can come on us. But guess what we get in exchange? We get him who will never leave us nor forsake us. We get him who is the very power of the Holy Spirit at work deep within us. We get his word, we receive his word, and may we receive it humbly and grafted within us. That will change our very being. And John 16, verse 33 says, he continues, said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, notice how sure he is about this statement, by the way. He says, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This statement that Yeshua made in John 16, 33 sets up a clear contrast between his ways and the ways of the world. In Yeshua, there's peace. In the world, we have what? Tribulation. The world is a fair feather, fair weather friend. Yeshua is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's never far from his people. If you read this week's parasha in Genesis chapter 25 through 28, more or less, this week's parasha strikes at the very heart of human experience as it contrasts these two twins, these twins, these brothers, Jacob and Esau. They came from the same parents. They ate the same food. They lived in the same place. But they were very different people. And they're contrasted. And we, we learn about them. Jacob was an individual who loved to, he loved knowledge. He loved to be around the tents. And Esau was an outdoorsman. He loved to be out and about. He loved to catch and shoot or kill. He didn't shoot. He used his arrows probably or spears. Got wild game. He loved to cook that stuff, eat that stuff. And I don't want to talk about food before Oneg. But I am. <laughs> and these two are contrasted from, the, from the, the get-go in Scripture. They're contrasted. Come from the same mother, the same father, the same food, the same house, the, a tent, the same everything. But how different they were. Jacob becomes a son of the promise. We say to this day, when we describe the God of the universe, we say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We don't say Esau. And Esau becomes an ignominious character in Scripture. 
his decisions, his choices, his, his want to, to, to live for the now and the here and the now and the immediate uh, satisfaction and not seeing the long haul. And Jacob sees the birthright. Jacob sees the blessing as of great value. Do you see the blessing of God on your life as great value to you? If you do, then you are a spiritual son of Jacob. But if you think that living for the here and now in this life and self-satisfaction is, is, the, is where it's at, then you're more in line with a son of Esau, and you don't want to be in that camp. I think the new, the new covenant addresses in many places Esau-like individuals with words like this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. For many walk of whom I have told you often, notice how he states this next statement, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross, the slav, the execution stake of Messiah. Then it describes them, these enemies of the Messiah, whose end is what? destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. The things that they're glorying in are actually shameful things. And then it says this, characterize them even further, who set their mind on earthly things. Where are our minds today? Are we laying up treasure in heaven where thieves can't get it, moths can't get it, rust won't corrupt it? Or is our treasure, the real goal of our life, just earthly there? says, who set their mind on earthly things. Verse 20 of Philippians 3 continues, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the work and by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. And that will be the end of all this. When it's all said and done, and this is covered in Philippians as well, it says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess what? That Yeshua is the Lord. Well, we might as well get a head start now in our lives and start confessing him as the Lord in front of those around us instead of holding back. Take the stops out. Let people know that you are a believer. And yeah, the chips may fall in places you don't expect. But it's much better to be a son of Jacob than a son of Esau. It's much better to be connected to the generation of Jacob, those who seek his face, God's face, than the generation of Esau for those who seek worldly pleasure, worldly satisfaction, and worldly affirmation. Because a true believer in Yeshua is like a son, a spiritual son of Jacob. Not perfect. Jacob wasn't perfect. We're not perfect, but we're committed to the Lord's will and purpose, and we know that he who began a good work in us, again, quoting from Philippians, the one who's begun a good work in us is going to complete it unto the day of Messiah Yeshua. So we keep pressing on, again, quoting from Philippians. We keep on pressing, pressing forward to that high calling that's in Messiah Yeshua.
And he also says that if we're thinking anything else, he will show us that. He will tell us that. A son of Jacob in this generation recognizes that our citizenship, our real citizenship, is in Messiah's kingdom. How many agree with that? Your real citizenship is in Messiah's kingdom. That's whom we're going to have to deal with, deal with, is Messiah. It's in Messiah's kingdom. And our commitment is fully, must fully be to our Savior, the one who laid down his life for you and for me, who shed his blood for you and me so that we be, can be cleansed from our unrighteousness and sin and walk in newness of life because of faith in him. Now, we should rejoice, and I'll conclude with this statement. We should rejoice knowing that our Messiah is committed to his people. He's not a fair-weather Messiah. He is the Messiah. He's the Lord that loves his people. And his nail-scarred wrists, his feet, they prove the point of his love. They prove his love for you and me. He is the good shepherd. And I want to leave you with this passage. It's from Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 10. Notice how it says, Behold, take notice, make sure you're aware of, be aware. The Lord God shall come with a strong hand. And his arm shall rule for him. Behold, make sure you get this, be aware, take notice of this. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Verse 11, such a tender verse from Isaiah. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Think of how much the Lord loves you today and how important it is that we walk in his love in the midst of this generation. Yeah, there's anti-Semitism increasing. There are all kinds of things happening. But God's work deep in the hearts of his people is not diminishing. It's grown greater and many are coming into his kingdom at this time. Will you join me for prayer? Father, we praise you this day. Your plan is perfect. Your ways are blameless. Your goodness is beyond measure. Your truth endures forever. Your grace avails for all who would call upon you and humble themselves. Your grace is sufficient. Lord, as we go forward from here today into the Oneg, into classes, and out into the world around us, help us, Lord, not to be like those who light a light and place it under a bushel basket. Help us to be, as you desire us to be, lights unto this world, pointing to you, showing forth your great light, the light of truth and love, peace that you give to your people. Lord, thank you for this day. We lift up our nation to you. We pray for those making decisions vis-a-vis -vis Israel, Ukraine, and other 
places of conflagration in the world, Lord, that you'll give the leaders wisdom to do what's right in your sight. Lord, I lift up Israel to you, Prime Minister Netanyahu, all those who are advising him, Lord, that you will guide, protect, be with the soldiers, be with the, those who are on the front lines and those on the back lines, Lord, that you will be with them, that you would uncover the traps of the enemy, that you would grant victory, that you would be with the hostages, that there would be release and freedom for the hostages. Lord, in all things, I pray that many will be drawn to you at this time. In Yeshua's name, amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat, and we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.